Gaming MBS episode 108, Sad Quests. Welcome to Gaming NBS, tabletop RPG podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Good to have you all here once again. Yes. Well, Sean, we had a pretty damn good weekend, man. We had uh, some kick-ass gaming yesterday, Saturday. We had uh, Kev, uh, Kevin Lovecraft in from the Twin Cities. We had Jim in person. We had Wayne Humphrey in person. And uh, for the first time... Our little gaming group was in person at the table, and Alex uh, Cameron from Gamehole Con fame was kind enough to loan us the actual game hole above the bar and restaurant that he is a co-owner of. That was freaking awesome. Yes, it was very nice of him to uh, be able to roll that out hospitality-wise for us yes. to use, and we left it in good shape. I think we did. Yeah. Did the old Boy Scout camping thing, right? You showed up, you left it in better shape than when you found it. Bingo. Exactly. So it was a hell of a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can do something like that again. Yes. Cool. Very, very fun. Fun. Brett killed me, but I sacrificed yeah. myself. You sacrificed yourself to save the group for the time being. And then you turned into a horrible evil deity or incarnation thereof and re- restarted the entire cycle of vileness. Yeah, I can't wait to pick that back up. Yeah. <laughs> what does your character do? I blurp and slurp and uh, randomly glump my way through this horrible cavernous area looking for servants. Good job, Sean. <laughs> I somehow don't feel uh, myself. <laughs> you feel a little awkward. Yeah. You feel kind of awkward. Like myself, I should say. I can feel myself. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. I don't want to see that again. Okay. <laughs> Yay for video. Yeah, oh, fuck. We're video too, aren't we? That's great. <clears throat> hey, should we tell people about that? We're actually doing this live. Over to uh, uh, YouTube now, are we not? We are. I don't. I don't think it'll hurt anything. I think this is working out fairly well. We're getting some decent bandwidth. It's not hiccuping too badly. The audio seems good, to good. be okay. We're doing it Sunday nights at seven Central Time U.S. Um, usually we run a little bit late now. I mean, now as we're recording this, I think we kicked it off about twenty twenty three after the hour. Yeah. So. We try to hit seven, but Brett and I usually are behind updating notes, which we should be doing during the week, but we wait till last minute because that's the way we roll. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> hey, life happens. Yeah, life happens. We could be prepared or not. We've been, It's been working for 107 episodes. Let's just see if we can limp through 108 and uh, carry on from there. <laughs> I don't know. Announcements. All right, man. So I have, excuse me, out in our Google Plus community. I created another uh, topic area there. You can go out there and you can talk. Uh, you can post to different areas. I created a piece for uh, Evercon for games um, and people who want to run games. As I said last episode, Kev, uh, Kevin Lovecraft and Austin will be stepping up to help organize games on demand for us there. If you're interested in doing anything at Evercon, running it, you want to run it under the Gaming BS banner, you want to figure out another way to get involved in it, um, feel free to uh, go to evercon.org. Um, <clears throat> you can contact... Um, either me or some of my uh, my cohorts in that con, or if you'd like to just talk to uh, fellow BSers and uh, apply a little gaming and BS pressure onto folks who are uh, Wisconsin locals and get them to that con, 
Anyway, go out to the Google Plus community and uh, start talking about it there. That would be really cool. I'd love to see some BSers show up and run some games for folks. So that could be pretty cool. Sean, and speaking of cons, Gamehole excuse me, is rapidly approaching us. Good God, man. We're still doing the Uber? Are we still, uh, we, i.e. Sean, you still doing the Gaming BS Uber there? So as long as I have an operating vehicle, which at this present time I do, and it works, my fear is that like two people arrive at the same time and I can't fit them all in my Jeep. Eh, We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll do like the, uh, what's the old World War II TV show? Mash? No. No, that's Korean. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I, Drive I around know. in Jeep Jimmies in the desert. Desert rats? What is it? Oh. Ah, oh, no. it's going to kill me. I got to look so it we'll up. So we'll just tie it. We'll hire people sitting on fenders and uh, all that type of stuff in November in Wisconsin. That'll be great. <laughs> anyway, if you do need a ride to Game Hole and you're getting in, and if Sean and or Brett can swing it, um, let us know if there's something we can do to help you get to your hotel or we could do something to lend a hand to our uh, listeners out there. We'd love to do what we can to make you guys feel welcome and to have you enjoy the con. Rat Patrol. Rat Patrol. There you go. <clears throat> Thank God. We'll just, so uh, it's no longer the Gaming BS Uber. It is Gaming BS Rat Patrol. The only reason it sticks out in my head is I thought on one of the covers of the TV show, which was aired in like 1960. Forever ago. Yeah, it was like 68. 60, okay. 66 to 68. Is there on the back of a Jimmy, like kind of all kind of hanging off? I don't know. Whatever. <clears throat> people could easily do that. I got bungee cords. We can strap people down. Why do you have to strap them, man? That's true. I mean, if they're worth their salt as gamers, they'll, they'll cling. Right. They got this. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> and again, if you're interested uh, in your game master running a game at... Gamehole Con under the banner. We do have our bonus BS episodes are dropping periodically as Game Masters have recorded some stuff for us. So feel free to get in on that if you'd like. So I just recorded Gabe. Did you? Awesome. Very cool. Gabe is from Monona, Minnesota. He's, it's his first Game Con. First Game Con. Very cool. First Game Con, and he's running an event. That's very cool. And Glad to be a part of that. We're going to drop that maybe t- tomorrow, which would be October 3rd, or it'll drop this week because we got to get some folks that'll sign up before Event Reg closes. Yep. But yeah, man, I, I'm like, uh, uh, he's he got it going on, man. He's pretty, got things lined he's up. Sharp. Nice. Yeah, he's got it. I'm, he's probably better prepared than Sean and Brett are. And speaking of getting prepared, the uh, Game Hole Con, the early pre reg where you save five bucks. That wraps up next week, Thursday. That is October 13th, uh, like noon, I think, or something like that. Go to GameholeCon.com. And if you've not registered, got your badge and stuff, and or your T-shirts, all that shit, if you uh, want to lose five bucks and not be able to just walk up to a pre-reg line, grab your packet of goodies and leave, you want to waste your time in line, yeah, go for it. Otherwise, what the hell are you waiting for? Pre-reg, man. Right. Any other announcements? No, sir. All right. Shall we move on then? Random encounter. Random encounter where we uh, take uh, emails, voicemails, comments from social media, read them out on the air. Calling BS is, is what it's called sometimes. Yes. We have we one individual little... that's calling BS on us this week. I think we do. We got a couple long ones in here. So I'll tell you what, you start and I'll read the next one. Go. Okay. Christopher Gray emails us Greetings. 
first-time listener. I stumbled upon your podcast by doing a random iTunes search. This is what happens when you drunk podcast listen, people. You could accidentally end up at the Gaming NBS podcast. You could totally stagger upon us and say, hey, I like this stuff. Drunk iTunes search. Drunk iTunes searching. But I'm drunk life insurance. Bad RPG podcast. All right. Just listened to episode 106 and was prompted to write when you discussed battle combat. Wow. Cool. Just listen to like one episode and write, wrote in. Because these guys are wrong. <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> how, we, how we prompt a, a user response, exactly. a listener response. Okay. I've been using a mechanic for mass combat D&D, which was recently published in my DM's Guild adventure, The Siege of Sundered Hold. So if you're a DM's Guild frequenter, check that out. Siege of Sundered Hold. All right. I'm going to check this out. Keep going. Keep going. He should have sent us a link to it. Oh, we should have. Well, hey. We might have to see if we can find it Christo- and do the old show notage. Christopher, marketing man. All right. The basic idea is that you group like combatants into units of 10 or 20 or whatever makes sense. And the unit gets the same AC action and attack bonus. Then you multiply the damage they do by the number of people in the unit if a target unit is hit. Then you split the damage among each person in the unit and take out those that die. If a unit of 10 guys with 10 hit points takes 50 damage, then five of them die, and it is now a unit of five. Okay. They all attack a big monster or dragon, then the dragon takes the full damage from the unit. Okay. Okay. All right. Following along so far? So far, so good. You, um... You put the units in the battle in player control and then put them in the regular turn order. So when it's the player's turn, he or she goes and then his or her unit goes. So player characters can attack individuals in the unit and also attack with units. Makes it easy to zoom in and zoom out during combat. There's a bit more to it than that, but it works seamlessly in 5e and in practice. I've used things like poker chips to keep track of the number of people in a unit, but a good monster tracker sheet would do the trick too. Thanks for the podcast, fellas. I'll keep listening. Nice. Thank you. Yes. Well, Christopher, I did just salad, brother. I found, uh, I just did a quick search there. I found Christopher Gray's The Siege of Sundered Hold, Border Kingdoms Fallen 1.1. I have a link in the show notes to that. So it's out on the D- Dungeon Masters Guild. Um, so yeah, get out there and check it out. <clears throat> Sean and I have said this before, kind of tongue in cheek, but I mean, dead serious right now is that if you are, if you have created Game Master product, I'm not even looking for a free product, right? I want to tell people that you've made a thing that you are proud of. I would love to tell people that stuff. Uh, I, yeah, great. I would love free swag. Who doesn't? I'm not in it for that. That's not what Sean and I are looking for. I would love to take something like Christopher did here or when Jason Blaylock did as they met in a tavern. I love pimping that stuff. So tell us what you got. Because honestly, if you're listening to us, you're a discerning individual and uh, indeed worthy of praise in whatever endeavor you're under. So I would love to help you out. I, as yeah, with Sean. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Brett summed it up in a nutshell, man. If you're creating something, let us know. All right. Off we go to Azrael Arocha. He comments on our G Plus community. Hi, guys. Just finished episode 103. I know I'm a, I'm behind, but listening to this episode, I couldn't 
uh, help but think about these fellows. He has a link in there, www.filmroll.com. Film re-roll. Film re-roll. Ooh, I totally missed that. Film re-roll. They're a group of gamers that play movies as RPGs, and it's pretty cool. On another note, the railroad trap can happen even if you don't steal your plot. It depends mostly on the GM, I think. One last thing. Don't worry too much about stealing ideas. There are only seven types of stories, and you can read about them here. I have heard about this before. He's got a link in the show notes. Equistories.com, seven types of stories. Cool. Well, Ezreal, thanks again for listening, man. He's written into us a few times. Always had a good uh, perspective. And this is the type of, these are the type of things that end up sometimes in our um, die roll and uh, our listener shout out type of thing there. So good stuff. I believe, Thank you, sir. I believe Ezreal, Azrael, I apologize for butchering your name, but I believe he is one of our Spanish speaking listeners. Yes, he is. Yep. Which I'm still shocked that um, apparently we translate better than I thought we would. <laughs> Maybe we're more tolerable in a different language. Maybe we translate better than we actually do in English. It'd be nice. Anyway. I, I'm still trying to get Brett to be bilingual so we can really market ourselves a little bit better. But it's he's kind of not. He's Bulldog not, new tricks. Yeah, he's not doing it for me. I'm not, that, I'm not that sharp guy. Anyway, next one's yours. All right. Pure mongrel. Calls BS on G plus regarding episode 107 evil games. All right, mongrel. All right. He's got the soapbox. I can hear it being scraped across the floor. He's placed it soundly. He has a bullhorn in one hand, deep breath. And I would, should I attempt my Aussie accent? No, God, don't do that. (laughs) I think I do it pretty well. No, I, th- I think we shouldn't We shouldn't insult the, the few Australian listeners that we have. We should just let it go. Be our mon- mongrel. <laughs> Pure mongrel. <laughs> I got something to say about episode 107 Evil Games. <laughs> you sound like a really bad uh, Django Fett. Um, yeah. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me first start by saying that I have no personal interest in playing evil games. If I'm ever unchained from my GM desk, I play heroic characters. I can't even bring myself to play evil factions in a war game, but I can see a place for an evil campaign. As long as you define what evil is. Okay, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. That was my main issue, especially with you, Brett B., Mr. So-Called Arts Major. Oh, got me by the the scruff of my educational neck there. You did not define what you were referring to when you used the term evil. Nope, I didn't. By the examples you gave of various games played, you have no issues with playing evil, as long as those concepts doesn't cross some taboo boundaries, what would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. So far, so good. We're so, so yeah. far, so good. Yeah, yeah. As gamers, very few of us have a problem with murder hoboing as an evil. Let's be frank here. Invading another being's place of residence, killing everyone in sight, and stealing everything that is not nailed down is hardly the province of good. But what if they're chaotic evil beings and you're lawful good? <laughs> which is which is the uh, traditional excuse. With that example alone, 
technically, we all play evil games. We justify it in our own heads as heroic deeds against monsters or bad guys. Mm -hmm. But the very essence of dungeon diving is an evil act of slaughter and theft. Ah, I'm totally with you, man. Players are all evil. Player characters. Players are probably evil, too. Most... I've been, yes, I believe mine are. <laughs> so, on. so I think the question should be, are you prepared to play a game where taboo lines are crossed? Okay, that could be a good one. That'd be, keep okay, going. all right. Keep going, keep going. You pointed out the juvenile high school mentality style games that you and I, for that matter, would not want to play. Fart and boob jokes mixed in with taboos such as rape, torture, bestiality, etc., has no place in our hobby. Of that, I cannot agree with you more. But our hobby is not just about telling heroic or evil stories. It is about the exploration of concepts and the resulting cause and effect within the confines of a safe environment. Huh. You are correct. A group of chaotics would never work. But what about a lawful evil campaign? The players get challenged with a scenario of, does the value of the many outweigh the value of the few? This, the, hey man, you're bumping stuff around on me. Hold on Sorry, a I did that on purpose. Um, <laughs> I adjusted, I adjusted the text, folks. I just kind of like, made him jump. Sorry, uh, I'm like going. reading, and then the whole text is like, boop. Um, this, the players get challenged with a scenario of, does the value of the many outweigh the value of the few? This does not fit the evil theme I felt portrayed in the past, but it is an evil game. A choice to kill innocents is central to the theme. Kill the child or the village dies? That's a question. Okay. I don't know if I framed it. Kill the child or the village dies? Fair enough. Okay. Wipe out a new race that has appeared on your lands to safeguard the current inhabitants? Die, Zeno's filth. My 40K voice. Evil play for evil's sake is the lowest form of wit and is pointless, even destructive. But exploration of evil concepts is not. RPGs are the ultimate what if, or what would you do if you had to make the choice? Exploring evil has its place as a concept to explore and can even be a harmless release of fun in the right environment and with the right group. After all, humanity cannot be gauged without a mirror. That was quite profound. And Mongrel, he's pretty he's, pretty well educated. He's quite eloquent. Um, horror stories, movies, and games are popular for the reasons I presented above. Sometimes the only way to know what's right is to examine what actually is the boundary of wrong, but only through the safety of fiction. In closing, sirs... You know I am one of your greatest fans, but I feel this was not one of your best casts. Okay. Oh, right in the gym. Oh, um, got me. Just kicked me right in the nuts. Damn. Okay, but not great. Pick your act up. <laughs> nice. There was an opportunity here to dive deeper, and maybe one day you will revisit it. I will leave you with this conundrum. Aren't GMs always playing an evil game? Hmm. Mongrel. Am I still am I still allowed to be a member of the group or do I need to go sit in the naughty corner? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So actually I think what Mongrel got to at the tail end there was 
we talked about this and I tried, I think, to push it a bit, but it's more about hard choices and that because we says, you know, what would you do if you had to make the choice? It's the hard choices. It's the what if. What happens if it's um, kill the prophesied child to say or um, let the prophesied child live and therefore the village is destroyed? Um, if you've ever read the actual book, World War Z or the audio drama of the book, I don't not seen the movie, no intention, but there's points in that movie where the guys who have the plan for how they save different portions of South Africa, this individual who had it was basically used different villages and stuff as decoys for the zombies so that he could save larger portions of the populace. Oh my God. You know that what a, what a conceptually horrible thing to have to do. Um, yeah, I, I think it's the the exploration of a hard choice is a lot more entertaining to me. Presenting hard choices, no matter what you are, be you a vampire, um, a ghost, a sorcerer, a wizard, a black ops guy fighting Dracula, it doesn't matter. The hard choice is much more interesting way to explore the concepts and um, figure out what the quote unquote right thing or wrong thing is to do. Um, again, there's certain taboos you may want to avoid, as we talked about. But apart from that, I think uh, I think what he's got there is what I was trying to drive at and perhaps not quite as eloquent, eloquently stated. So thank you, Mongrel. Good stuff, man. Mongrel, you can come out of the corner now. Now you may. But get good stuff, though. Absolutely good I mean, stuff. Right, right on the button. We missed it just a tad, of course. What Shocker. Shocker. Right. Well, the, the main thing is, right, is that Sean and I have we got about an hour to talk through something. Don't, um, hey, don't make we, excuses, Brett. No, and we give it a, we give it our best go, and quite honestly, sometimes our best is not as good as what you all have because uh, some of you folks are a lot smarter than we are. That's it's right. really cool. It's really cool to see smart stuff come back at us. And again, our listeners, I love I love you, men and women. You've all given us good stuff to think about, and I've changed up different things in my games based on what you folks have fed back to me. So, thank you. Keep that feedback coming. All right, let's go into the topic. Do it. All right. What are we talking about this week, Brett? Well, Jim Fitzpatrick, uh, one of our listeners, and as I have said many times, we get a lot of good topic ideas from our listeners. Um, <clears throat> yes, yes. Jim said he wanted to throw this out. He threw it out, threw it out, threw it, threw it out in the community around side quests. He said, I want to throw this out to the community as well. Can we have a discussion about different broad kinds of side quests that you can make up bonus points? If you can include ways that can go wrong. So it's in the Google plus community. Uh, some folks got in on it. Um, if I'm recalling it correctly, it has been a, been a bit since I went back and checked on it. Um, but what I thought of when I saw this, I'm like, you know what? The whole concept of side quests, it reminds me a bit of from an investigative perspective. Is it, you know, tied to red herrings and so forth. And I'm like, you know, there's plenty of times I would just thought through the, uh, the trailer Cthulhu game that I just wrapped up for Sean and the guys when we were at the game hall last night. Um, there was plenty of different opportunities that they could have, excuse me, slunk off, done different side things and so forth. Even in my bad magic game, which is another game I'd wrapped up. There were lots of side quests and different concepts that they were often running that had nothing to do necessarily with the main plot. And, uh, kind of the, the value of those and, and so forth. So Sean, if I said, Hey, you know, do you, how would you define a side quest in an RPG tabletop RPG? Not like, you know, if I were to say it to my son, Connor, he'd be like, Oh, you mean like in I'll pick Skyrim or this game? Oh, it's this thing that has nothing to do with the plot, but you can go and, you know, get, get experience points somewhere else. 
Yeah, that's not wholly dissimilar from what I would probably say, which is you have the main kind of story line mm-hmm. presented by in a game mastered game that that is uh kind of goes off the main path. It doesn't to the side. To, almost to the side, as it like, were. To the side. <laughs> like right. Here's kind of the main one that is in front of me. So when your train stops at a station, this is the opportunity for someone to go off and perhaps change trains or move from one car to another. It is, although I discourage that quite heavily. Yeah. Yes. I've watched you kill characters for even trying to do Well, that. I mean, and they can get off. Like, they, we could stop the train. They can get off the train. They can think they're going down <laughs> a path they never thought, but maybe the train just stops there. Ha <laughs> <laughs> There they you just go. get off Don't anyway. Sure. So I think I think the core piece here is you're talking. We're trying to talk about something that is not connected to the main plot, um, or could it? Should it? I have done the the bit in the past where I'm like, oh, this will be fun. They'll be they're going through something happens, and the players will look at me and say, oh, you know, we should really help this group. We should go do a thing. It sounds like they have problems with these goblins, you know, for example. And I'm like, well, that's, excuse me, that was just kind of a, a thing I'd mentioned. You know, they have problems with goblins and, oh, yes, and the Troll King. And the Troll King's the object of, the, you know, whatever it is I'm making this up. And we said, well, you know, maybe we should deal with the goblins first. We get some good experience points. We could do some stuff. And I'm like, that's nothing to do with the Troll King adventure. Why are you? I threw that out. And then sometimes players will latch onto a thing. And they want to go go for it. Or you may have different side quest built in like <clears throat> excuse me um like in a computer game or something in a written advent module adventure that may say hey here's a side piece you could do you could check onto this you could look into this other thing i think there is power in sometimes connecting those stories together like oh you save the goblins and that benefited you back at the village so when you went after the troll king you got something cool or that the goblins had um a clue or some cool magic item that helped you fight the troll king. That could be neat. But I think there is also power or at least some coolness in having it truly be a side quest where it is not connected at all. Um, at least not by design back to the, uh, the main plot line. What do you think about that, Sean? Well, yeah, but I wonder you could fit potentially, I mean, what is, here's, I'll give you, I will counteract that point, Brett. <laughs> Good luck trying. No, I'm kidding. Go for it. <laughs> so, for example, say you're starting an adventure and you're going mm-hmm. along and then there is this side quest, whatever that is. It's it's not on the same timeline, path, whatever you want to call it, linear, linear plot kind of focus. Fair enough. And you take them off. or. Maybe it's near the end of a, a chapter. Something comes along, takes the player characters off of that path. Okay. And they go on and on and on and on. And then it comes back. Oh, I'll give you an example. So say the Edge of the Empire Star Wars game that I ran. We ran, I don't know how many sessions. And then it, I kind of ended it, right? Hey, it's the end. I want to wrap this up. We're going to play something else. So the end session went this way. Now, when we pick back up, do I pick it up where it left off or do I take you off somewhere else 
that doesn't have to do with the prior storyline. I think that's different though, because that's just, that's a whole new game. That's just a starting point for the new game. I'm talking about like mid campaign. True. True. Yes. If in the, if in the middle of the star Wars game, we were, the first thing we were trying to do is go find a spaceship because we were kind of out there looking for different ways to make money and avoid and avoid our creditors and other problems. If along the way we had an opportunity to, I don't know, help Han Solo do something. I don't know if I can know. Just you know, it had essentially nothing to do with anything. Sure, where you could step aside and and do that. That to me would be more of a side quest than what you're talking about. I it, think what you're talking about is more of a, a, a conceit for a storyline. Yeah, I would agree with you, and that was a bad, poor example on my part. It, it was, and I would like you to try again. Say there was no break. <laughs> Okay, say there's no break. Say there's no break. So, for example, you start out, you guys were supposed to get a jewel from an auction, right? Which we were. And you tried that and you failed. And then all of a sudden the next chapter goes and you run into a bunch of people, like the hut, who's going to want your head on a chopping block. Mm -hmm. And then you take that and you go off and do something else, right? Okay, you got to get off the planet. You get off the planet and then another thing comes along. And you're kind of away from that. The yeah, jewel is I, gone. I, all the yeah. auction's gone. All that stuff. I left the jewel of Yavin. I have escaped the huts, but I'm now smuggling something else. And hopefully I've left all that behind me. Correct. Doing, doing something else. Yes. Yeah, so you go and do that something else. Okay. And then all of a sudden, sessions later, you're all of a sudden the hut shows up again. God damn it. Right. The recurring villain is back. And the, and the jewel of Yavin somehow makes its way back into the possession of... The players, or it's in front of them. Like they come across the smuggler that actually has the jewel of Yavin, and, and then deal with it. yeah, and then you got to deal with it. And it picks up from there. So it's so kind of like, what is the side track? Is there a timeline with the side track track? And is the side track designed to? It, it can be what you're talking about. It's almost like a story beat or a longer term campaign beat, maybe. Where what I'm doing is yeah, exactly story beat. Total, total, total club music here. Yeah, God, that's terrible. Anyway. <laughs> the concept is that we went from we're going along, dealing with the Julie Avon and the huts, and then we were able to escape and go do another thing, but eventually we can't leave our fast behind us for too long. The shit catches up. So there's there is the you still did something totally different, but it's kind of on your way back into the regular component, which is kind of like going to you know take care of the goblins as opposed to going directly after the troll king. That's fine. You you did a thing and then eventually you wind wind your way back to the main plot line, same type of setup. I'll give you another example, Brett. Okay. Ah, I shouldn't say this on the air. Oh, then don't. No, I, I'll, I have another example. So okay. I had talked about it prior in our home group, playing D and D, lost mine of Fandalver. Yeah. One of the guys joins us. I need him to get him into the group. Some of the party members aren't haven't aren't showing up to that session. So Austin, Jim, and Steve. We did the, the flashback thing. The flashback thing. So what if I started a game as a flashback and then went back to the same storyline? Okay. So I different mean, variations. Basically what we've got here are different options with a side quest. How to use it, mash it, move it, different ways to go about it. Um, sequential okay, order, that. right? Not <clears throat> sequential order. Okay. So... The other thing, though, is that if you if you run a, a perhaps true side quest is a strong phrase, but if you run a side quest and it has nothing to do with the main plot and you have no intention of connecting anything back to it, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I lose the Jewel of Yavin. The huts are after me. I have escaped the planet. 
my cohorts and I go off on a different thing. We have a different raid at the end of it. That's done. We smuggle this other thing. We get paid. We're like, great. That's perfect. And then we go back to do the next thing. And then the huts catch up to us. It really had nothing to do with what we just did. I may have gained some money or some experience along the way, but that individual that we did work for has no connection. There's no, there's nothing tying them back to the huts. I guess what I'm saying is that sometimes when I have had side quests present themselves to players, they have kind of tried to sniff out a red herring where they look at that and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I go down this path and I run away from the huts, there's no way it's not going to come back to bite me. I don't want to go do this other smuggling operation. I don't want to go deal with the goblins over there because the real quest is the troll king. I'm not going to deal with anything along the way. I only want to cut right to the chase and not have any side quest action because they fear a red herring of some sort, like they get sucked down a path. <clears throat> Excuse me, that may, or, that may have nothing to do with anything because a lot of times I believe, at least in, in my experiences, when the players go down different side paths uh, in a storyline, I think there's a feeling that the side paths should lead me back or provide more information for the actual storyline. So if I go down there, I should get not just experience points, extra hit points, and more skills, but I should get a clue. I should get a magic item. I should get something that helps feed the main storyline, even if it's a side quest. And not, it's. Do you think? Do you feel that, or is that just me? You're staring at me blankly. <laughs> nice. The nice. Uh... He, he he fixed the soundboard, so that's good. I did. It works. Yay. Mm. Um, side trek quest side quest. I keep saying trek. That's okay. So I guess, you know, what you're talking about though, is that even with the, the jewel of Yavin example and so forth, everything comes back. And, and I get it that eventually you, you get kind of thrust back into potential where the main storyline comes up and it reabsorbs your, your players back into it. Your characters come back in, but, I think there is there's something to be said for having a side event that has nothing to do with the main with the main plot lines. Basically, it's multiple. You could have multiple plot lines going at once, right? It's a great opportunity for when your characters have <clears throat> you have a character who her job or is uh, she's like the badass you know sniper for the team, and as a thing in her character background, she wants to uh, find out a way to help her. Um, father in, in his retirement or very shitty example, but that's what she wants to do. So in the process, she finds a way because, you know, to, Hey, I can take this money. I've made a contact with this um, offshore banking. I can funnel money that I'm making on this illicit gig back to my old man. And he'll never even know I did it, but I can make sure that my dad is taken care of while I'm off hopping through Europe, shooting vampires in the head. Okay, cool. So it's a side event that has nothing to do with the actual plot, but through that um, parallel activity or side quest, um, we're developing her character and that connection back to her dad. And she's getting to fulfill a thing that's on her character sheet and she can act upon it there. Right. Cause one of her driving goals we were told is that, Hey, I want to make sure that my family's taken care of. That's why I'm doing all this stuff. And then she sees an opportunity, starts acting with these people, having interactions with them, private meetings, working with these bankers and other you know, folks to, to make this type of thing happen. Um, <clears throat> there's no connection to the real plot. No, granted as a game master, you could come back and 
if we're doing a Knights Black Agents thing, you know, the vampires can find out that this girl's character is doing this thing and oh my God, then they come and step on there and snip the cord or threaten the family type of thing. But it doesn't have to. I think you can have that back piece of it and then the players are still interacting with the world. The world grows around them, um, even if it has nothing to do with the actual plot of the story. So what you're saying I, I totally is went, I totally went crazy. So what you're I'm saying sorry. is though, a, a the player character um, becomes a financial advisor briefly. Yes. Gets her her dad's uh, 401k in order and then goes back to shooting people. Yeah, so it's an assassin who's taking uh, night classes to be, get an MBA <laughs> and it is a slowly sure. <clears throat> Seriously though, I mean, have I've had a lot of that when I ran vampire and stuff over the years or even in bad magic, the players all have different things that they want to accomplish, which essentially are tantamount to a side quest for me. Somebody's like, look, I want to build um, a better library. I want my character as a goal. It has nothing to do with the plot that's going on right now, but that doesn't stop them from trying to accomplish that goal, regardless of what's happening. And sometimes as a game master, it's very tempting to take that thing that they're doing and suck it into the plot, you know, and use it as leverage or use it as a thing. <clears throat> but I have, it's kind of like the, look what we just talked about. If you do something too often, it becomes bad, right? If you're always blowing up somebody, when I talk about safe houses, right? If every time Sean and Angela and the rest of the team go back to safe house, Brett blows it up. God damn it. It gets boring. If every time. Well, you need to like punch Brett in the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> eventually, that, eventually that happens. Brett's you being a dickhead GM at that the, point. You see this car? Um, <laughs> But I think that way when, you know, Angela and Emily and Sean and, and Phil and you guys are playing and, and Phil says, hey, you know, I've got this opportunity that I'm going to work on the side to funnel this money, help my dad, blah, blah, blah. I think it's worth letting them have that without having to feel obligated as the game master to jump in and say, oh, I can use that. Sometimes letting them have that side quest, let them have that thing builds their character, builds up their background and also by dint of doing that, it then expands the world. I think it makes the world a more real, a real place as well by letting those things happen and not necessarily having to tie it in. Just like this podcast has nothing to do with my day job. The fact that I am up to my ass in meetings tomorrow has not this. What happens tonight has no, no impact on my meetings tomorrow. This is a side quest. It's totally this entire podcast is a side quest <laughs> in my life. Or, is work the side quest? I would probably say work is my side quest because, uh, yeah, I, I don't live to work. I work to live, right? But anyhow, does that make sense? Where sometimes it, it, when, when they want a side quest, you got to let them? It does make sense, but I think many, many modules nowadays, many a story are tending to put in, like, I think the Curse of Strahd, although I don't own it and haven't read a ton of it, I am playing in it currently has a lot of those things built into the module, a lot of side tracks, side quests. They do tend to Like apply. the, uh, what was it, the windmill? The windmill. Did you guys deal with the windmill? Uh, I think we did briefly, yes. Yeah. Yes, Which, yes we did, now that I in, think about it. In uh, Chris's game, when Sneezak was running, I had a chance to play with him. There was We encountered the windmill and said, no, fuck all that, and we, and we left it. We just ignored the side quest and carried on to what we were up to. Right. And you can, right? That's, yes. I think that's an element of the side quest. It's not a necessary piece. Ah, do I tell or that? is it? Or is it? I don't know. <clears throat> I think to be a true side quest, it needs to not, it can't be a piece that it to use like a, um, 
a computer gaming term, you don't have to complete that quest to, to complete the story. A side quest, it may have a connection, it may not, you know, whether you like it that way or you're afraid of red herrings or whatever, but it can't be an integral part of the actual plot. Right? Like, oh, you didn't go to the windmill? Eh, guess you'll never beat Strahd. You know, if it if it is, it, it needs to be presented differently. I agree, but it may make your job easier. Make your job easier. Well, if it's if it's kind of like you don't have to go there, but it's got an item there that will aid you. Oh, totally. That that's the that's the lure of the that's the sinful lure of the side quest, right? Oh, that could be some cool stuff. Well, there. I could if we go in there, I could get a. I get some magic. It's extra XP, my man. (laughs) It's fat, juicy chunks of XP. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So which which is is, which is an element of some of these bigger period published adventures because you want to get to the big bad at the end. You're going to have to be a certain level to be a certain level. You gotta you gotta ding. You gotta go and do stuff. True. Very true. If you start the curse of Strad and you march up to Ravenloft, the castle. Man, that Strahd guy is going to put the big old hammer on your head. No, I get it. No, no, no. That makes sense. So you got to do so all these not... side tricks, side quests, level up. Then you go and bash his face in. The thing, though, is that if the side quest is not, if <laughs> if it's nothing but a poorly veneered opportunity to to level up and so forth, if it doesn't help build the world, if it doesn't help do a thing, then that side quest is just another stop. and It's just another room in the dungeon, right? If it's going to really have, if it's the windmill, so so the, the the thing I'm talking about here, folks, is when I was playing in the Ravenloft game, we were trying to go from one town to another. Along the way, there's this nasty-ass windmill, and we have a very strong inkling that there's something fucked up really bad with that windmill. And we're pressed for time, though, so our group, we noodled on it. We said, you know what? We hate to leave a thing behind. It might bite us in the ass later, but we are very pressed for time. We're pushing forward. We're going to ignore the windmill and move on. Now, I found out what's in the windmill, and I'm not going to say it now because spoilers and all that. But, hey, if we had def- defeated the windmill and everything else around it, we could have got some some nice stuff or some XP or some perhaps some more information and so forth. I don't know all the bits and pieces. It wasn't necessary for what we needed to do. Um, but the key to it from what I from what Chris uh, had uh, <coughs> excuse me, what he had uh, spilled to us was that it was more setting information it was more stuff it would it made barovia more real it, it showed me another faction it showed me stuff and how things are interacting and so forth I'm like okay cool that's neat if i went in there it wasn't just to get 500 more experience points getting me closer to the next level it wasn't just to get this plus three sword that you know only works against vampires or, or whatever is in that i don't even know if that's in there but you don't know but you don't know no and it's a dis- and i think the decision to take it or not can uh, can lead to some cool interactions with players, right? Because there's two paths. There's the one that there's that seems to feel, or multiple, but fuck, you could have 10, 20 different paths, multiple side quests popping up constantly, which <laughs> could also be a bit of a challenge or perhaps a negative thing. Too many side quests all at once, too many directions, analysis paralysis sets in, the group locks up like a deer in the headlights. It just, all four tires stop, and they just kind of stare. They just don't know what to do. But even if you have two options like that, and they both look pretty good, well, we could get a thing. We could get rewarded in some way. That's cool. But I think the as the game master, we need to acknowledge that the side quests are not required. And if the end thing, in, DD, in D&D terms, you have a big boss fight at the end. 
big goddamn dragon, vampire, Draco Lich, Beholder, whatever. If the only way you could ever see the group being able to confidently encounter and deal with the thing is if they do all of the side quests along the way, those aren't side quests anymore. Those are required components because there's no way they're going to be tough enough to take care of it. <clears throat> a side quest may give you an edge or type of thing, but I think it has to, I, th I think it needs to be definitely a piece that you, if you took that Lego piece off and put it somewhere else, you wouldn't even know. It's fine. So what happens when you do a hex crawl and your the overall story is building a kingdom and all you're doing is side quests that ultimately get you to the end. Well, what you're doing then is that basically is you're taking, I go to hex number one. Oh, look, I found a lost temple. I fill out, I clear out the temple. Neat. Go to hex number three because I wandered through some wilderness. I show up the next one. Oh, my God, there's a troll lord. I killed the troll lord. Neat. That becomes, um, that's the whole premise of that game is, look, you're going to go around, essentially random encounter the shit out of this entire hex map and see what's there. Right. And then forge a thing. <laughs> it's not the same as I am here to destroy the beholder, which is taken, you know, taken over this village or this valley or whatever the case may be. That's a different type of scenario in my mind. If you could use a side quest to build an entire campaign. Yeah, you totally could. That, hey, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, nice. <laughs> the that's fair is a joke from the weekend. Uh, nice. I think, though, that there, the danger, though, of, of side quests, at least to my opinion, is that so the players decide they're going to go off into the windmill. They go to the windmill. Three of them die. You're like, fuck, I got three dead players out of five. Holy shit, almost had a TPK. Three dead player characters, Brett. There's a player difference. Characters. There's a difference. There's a difference. <sighs> All right. Players are not their characters. Okay, moving on. Yes. So three dead characters out of five. I'm like, holy shit, I almost had a TPK, and it's a side quest. <laughs> now, again, depending how you're playing, if it's, hey, look, you're playing DCC, the dice roll where they lay, and uh, good luck to you, fucker, because, you know, the rocks fell and half your guys are dead. And if that's what happens, then if you're ready to deal with that, otherwise the side quest, the lethality of it can crush the game. If you're not careful, have you ever had that Sean, where you've had someone go off on a side quest or have you gone off on a side quest and went, Holy shit, that side quest damn near destroyed us. Uh, no, not recently. Not recently. I mean, it, I think it took down one person, but it hasn't been. I mean, well, that's kind of the risky thing about it. I think if you make a side quest just kind of this amb ambiguous, fluffy part of, well, go to the library and hang out and interact with the librarian, and you don't put some risk into something. Even if the risk is in death, it's a time delay or something. Yeah, but I don't think it has to just just be that. I think you can put the herd on the player characters if it's a side quest. Fair enough. I mean, if you're playing a game in a world of perilous adventure, hey, guess what? Adventure's fucking perilous, and uh, you you could die. Yeah. Well, the Lost Mine of Fandelver is full of them. <clears throat> like you're in Fandelver or Fandelin. Good point. And there, you come across an NPC that says, "Ooh, I lost this, or I need that, or if you go, I'll help you if you go and do this for me." Mm -hmm. Those things that you go and do could certainly they unravel if you don't handle it correctly. Because they could kill you. 
And even in the Knights Black Agents thing, right? So Angela's character decides that she's going to be funneling money, you know, back to her her dad to help his to help his four hundred one k because she now has her uh, <laughs> her her NBA character now has an MBA. She has her um one hundred seven or whatever fin, exactly fin, Finra certification <laughs> exactly. So now she's a financial advisor on the side. Um, that that could be dangerous, right? Because now there's a paper trail. Now there's a connection through financial records of where you are and what's happening. Series seven. <laughs> There you go. So there's always the chance of, I don't know either. So there's always the chance that somebody that um, Dracula could find you. There's there's vampire spies. They find, oh my God, everywhere there's been action. I know this type of banking transaction happens. Oh my God, there's Angela's character doing this thing. Oh, there's Phil. Oh, there's Sean. They're all working these little side quests, things that they're doing in the background. And I can track that as they hop through Europe. So again, there's there may be risk involved. The I guess what I'm saying is when they go wrong, and maybe it's not wrong per se, but there is the we as game masters and players need to acknowledge that if you're going if you're going in there, and if maybe if maybe the statement should be that if there's no real risk involved, it's not really a quest, right? If it's a side activity where it's just something you're doing, you know, like saving up enough money so you can buy a bar, and yeah, it could go bad. You might lose your money or your investment might go wrong or something. But an actual side quest. There's maybe should is too strong a word, but there can be risk like personal risk to the quest itself, to the actual main storyline. You could get killed. You could lose everything. You could get hunted. You could give up your information. You could actually get a care, another fellow character killed. Okay. Yes. Of have course. You ever had, have you ever had the side, the, uh, where the side, where the side quest has been more interesting than the actual plot? <laughs> have you ever had that happen to you? Oh, I'm sure I have. Yeah. Edge of the Empire Man. <laughs> really? No. I <laughs> so this happened to me. This happened to me in a Dark Ages vampire game I ran. It's just it it hit me while I was working on show notes for this. The guys were going in. I had this thing. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be cool. They're finding all these clues and so on. And they all bit on this other thing. It was this little side story. Everybody went and said, That is cool. I went, fuck, okay. So shift. <laughs> I just pivoted the entire campaign to head in that direction. Because it was something that they thought was cool. That's why planning sucks, Brett. The players are going to dick it all up anyway. Absolutely. So I think what I'm getting at is that with your side quest is that if it's really sexy, cool, you may have a group of players, you know, where Chris and 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 uh, and Phil and everybody else looks at me and goes, hey, you know what? That thing that Sean just threw at us, that's fucking cool. Let's go try that. And next thing you know, everyone's after... This the rumored dragon in the woods has nothing to do with the you know the haunted you know monastery. It was after the dragon in the woods. Guess what? It's a dragon hunting campaign now, people. That's where you're at. And I think, as a game master's perspective, is that if <laughs> when you see that happen, I embrace it. That's my that's my perspective. Is I don't try even if they go all the way. I'm like, fine, you're in. And they go in there and maybe they destroy the dragon. They do something. They take over. Wow. Oh, that was cool. And then the haunted uh, monastery, things go bad, right? You've ignored the haunted monastery there in the real world. Therefore, these spectral um, monks are now coming down and slaughtering villagers. Holy shit, we shouldn't have, we should have been there or whatever it is. Or you could drop that entire thing completely and just and absolutely pivot and head towards a, a game about dragons and all that other stuff. But I think the other cool thing about side quests is that it does give you the opportunity to find out what the players want to do. It's one of the ways that when I run a sandbox here, what may be defined as a sandbox game, as you said, with a hex crawl, if in the middle of the hex crawl, we find a, a temple 
It's a temple to a lost, forgotten God. Oh my gosh, this is really cool. We've dug into it. We found these cool artifacts. I wonder if there's more. You go to the next hex. You're like, hey, does this snake God have anything to do with these people? And the game master says, no, it doesn't. Oh, that's strange. Why would there be a snake God temple here, but nothing over here? What gods did they worship? And if you're if you're a game master, you should be going. They care about the you know the the old gods on gods you know wars that happened, the religious wars from whenever this ancient thing happened. Should that come back up? This is what they're interested in. They don't really give a shit about clearing out the humanoids. They're more interested in that's an afterthought. They really care more about what the underlying pieces. They care about this ancient religious war. So I think the side quests from a sandbox perspective, that's just meat and potatoes. You throw that stuff out there. It's the plastic dinosaurs in the sandbox. You pick it up and you're going to run with it based on whichever one they like. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> nice. I can't. So do you actually disagree with me or am I going no, crazy? I think it's all what? good, man. It's all good. It's all good, man. <sighs> shit um, diamonds over there. I totally shit diamonds or spitting diamonds. One <laughs> of the two. One end or the other. <laughs> Spit, um, spitting and shitting. Let me see. I was going to have something else. On. So do you have... It feels to me that there could be too many, like I said at one point, when you have, or at least presented at once, too many options. Not even like in a dungeon where you come to a six-way intersection or some crazy, we could go up, we could go down, we could go back, we could do this, we could do that. But from a decision-making perspective, I think side quests can be, the whole adventure can, the entire Sean train could grind to a halt as they try to figure out which car they want to be in. Well, that's up to me. That's up to you? <laughs> Just because the side quest presents itself doesn't mean it goes anywhere. Okay. So if they have five side quests that they've encountered or figured out as they wandered through Fandolin and said, oh, my God, I could go help the blacksmith, the, this person, this person, this person. They go, all right, fine. I'm going to go help the blacksmith. Then you could decide that it's really boring and very easy and there's nothing there. Yeah, maybe the blacksmith sends them off uh, to find something. Uh, because the blacksmith was hired or so they go off and do something and, it, and, and it's not, doesn't go anywhere. They don't find what they're looking for. They were led on a wild goose chase goose, Yep. and they, I don't know. What do they do after that? I actually think that's kind of interesting. I've, I go have back done to the that blacksmith and, and shake them down dude, and go, Hey, what are you sending us over for? The hell man. I just spent five days in the woods sleeping in a tick infested bog looking for your lost you know, favorite dog. Oh, I'm sorry. He came back two days ago. Sorry you left. He didn't know how to get a message to you. Yeah. Meanwhile, your NPCs that bri bribed the blacksmith to get you guys out of town did exactly what they needed to. You were out of town for two days and they did whatever they needed to while yeah. you were out, out, out of town. <coughs> so I think, other, so apart from exactly apart from the world building itself, as you go to a quest, you're working with a blacksmith, you now made a contact because you found his dog or his lost daughter, or you didn't, and the NPCs are doing a thing. What you just said there re reminded me of this component is that uh, Phil and Chris have talked about it, and we've talked about it before too, where the bad guys have a plot. There's a plan. There's a clock sometimes, like, hey, the clock advances. Every X is going to happen in five days. The bad guy has a thing they're doing in five days. If you, even if you don't know there's a clock, as I said in the Ravenloft game I was involved in, we felt a time pressure. I don't know if there really was time pressure. Uh, Chris never said, hey, you know, he didn't throw a clock on the screen going, hey guys, look, the clock is advanced. You have no clue. It's a secret thing. We felt time pressure. <coughs> excuse me. So that's why we skipped the, uh, uh, the windmill. 
say we didn't fucking care. We said, sure, we got all day. Let's go check the windmill. Oh, down here's a gully. Let's go see what's down there. Oh, it looks like ghosts. Let's go look at this. And while you're doing that, the other fun thing to do is the game is like, oh, really? Click, 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 click. Y'all fucked off for like two months. And hey, guess what happened? Uh, the Dragon King has arisen or the Troll Lord has gathered his army and now he's rolling through the countryside or whatever other horrible thing you want to do. Um, because generally speaking, the NPCs in the world itself should not just be a static thing waiting for you to show up. And um, as the computer games, my little kids like to play, they walk up to a guy who just stands there all day long, dispersing the same quest over and over and over again. That shouldn't be your tabletop role playing game. If you show up late and the town is decimated by the undead horde because you didn't bother to get off your ass and get there quick enough or you got distracted by looking for the lost cows, your own goddamn fault. And that, my friends, is what fronts are about in Dungeon World. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. That's a good way to pull that back there, too. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think the, yeah, that's cool. I like that piece. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's all I have to say about that. Excellent. I think we wrapped like, it up. Yeah. I think we did. I love side quests. I think they're fun. I think there's there's dangers in them. And perhaps as we've talked about, I think there should be now. I was kind of worried about it. Like, Oh, make sure you don't kill your PCs type of thing. But you know, that's just, it's a world of perilous adventure. Sometimes that's just a thing. Or maybe the bad guys find out about you. So there's risks involved inside quests. And even if they don't have to be connected to the overall plot, the clock, the thing that's happening, the plot itself should continue to advance regardless of whether or not the player characters um, are really paying attention. And then on the flip side, is if they like your side plot, your side quest better than the actual event, pivot, 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 and uh, they're somewhere else. Go get it. Cool. I like it. I'm sure other people have done better things. I'm sure the mongrel will find out that I said something wrong again. That bastard. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thoughts, questions, comments, flames, and all that other stuff. Uh, hit us up. Yeah, by all means. Uh, die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming geekery. We want to bring you... We want to bring you. Nice. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got four. Brett's got a couple. We got a couple from listeners. Yep, I've got two here. Um, sabotage on SpaceX. <gasps> what? Link in the show notes. There's been I've seen a couple different conspiracy theory threads out there and so forth. I have not tracked this close enough. However, I would also like to point out the uh, the Royal Blood episodes from She's a Super Geek that I was fortunate enough to participate in. Elon Musk was our main bad guy. And uh, we used the explosion. <laughs> we used this as like a thing that we had caused. So yeah, I know why it happened because that's what Phil, Chris, Emily, and I did. Elon anyway. has he, Elon has said that we're he's, I mean, he's going to build a secret base on Mars if he hasn't already. I don't know why he wouldn't. He is a Bond villain. We've talked about it. He's a fucking Bond villain yeah. waiting to happen. That's Two, what he is. $200,000 hour? Uh, trips to Mars. Um, I think they're shooting for like twenty twenty seven or something. Hey, why not? Yeah, get, get your tickets now. I mean, if we book now, do we get like? Is it early? Significantly discounted or? Yeah. And what if we go together? What if we like? Is there group rates? I don't know. I don't know. Is there first class economy? How's that coach? What's that? Can How's I? That? What happens if I like to send some people and have <laughs> just because I could get rid of them for a while. Are there going to be stops on the way? Can I get a direct or do I have yeah. to hit a connecting on the way? Oh, my God. You, what's going to fucking suck is you to connect in Atlanta because it's a goddamn hub. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you're going. Huh. Anyway. Or is anyway. that Detroit? Like you got to go you got to go out to Saturn before you go to Mars. Oh, my God. Such a pain in the ass. Yeah, what a ridiculous. I hope he finds a – and luggage? Holy shit. Can you imagine losing your luggage on a freaking trip to Mars? That would suck. Yeah. 
totally or you suck. lose it. I don't know. Somewhere Milky Way-ish. Sorry. So the other one I have is there's uh, coins from the Roman Empire were found in the ruins of a Japanese castle. Um, these are the type of little uh, bits of piece I like to share out here. And it's one of those things that I love putting anachronistic or seemingly anachronistic types of weird things in treasure hordes or players show up and they find a thing. What do you see there? You see this ancient, ancient sword. Why is there an ancient sword here? This makes no sense. Why is this here? Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about side quest fuel, right? Why is this here? Oh my God. Um, could easily uh, evolve or devolve into the characters running off and looking for a thing or the reason why, or that's the thing that the NPCs have been, excuse me, the bad guys have been looking for and the clock starts ticking because you happen to have 30 pieces of silver that happen to be somewhere. And you're like, what's this connected to again? And everything goes to hell. All right. So link in the show notes, of course, Sean, over to you, sir. Feng Shui two players. Uh, Robin D. Laws gives more info on junctures that can take you to any place at any time. So if you are a Feng Shui uh, 2 player or GM enthusiast, um, Atlas Games, it's published by Atlas Games. They have an article there with video where Robin D. Laws clears that up, which I think cool. is kind of cool. Uh, number two, so some of these I kind of am and putting them in die roll, but, uh, and Philip Cole is doing a Kickstarter. So we mentioned him on a prior die roll project or website that he had, uh, was doing and said, Hey, you guys mentioned me before. Would you be willing to mention me again in die roll? So well, hell yeah. he mentioned, uh, so yeah, he, he knows die roll. So he must've listened to the show. So he's doing a Kickstarter. I believe it's already funded. I think he was like looking for a modest three thousand dollars. I think it's up to thirty five hundred. Um, it's a story driven RPG about badass mecha pilots who combine into totally sweet ultimate robot robos and save humanity from big giant monsters. Yeah, he's uh, he wanted three grand. He's at thirty six hundred, three thousand six hundred eighty seven to be specific. As of this yep. recording. As of this recording, and as of today, October second, he has twenty five days yet to go. So if this uh, sounds cool to you uh get out there take a look at it very nice cool and then uh number three tabletop game talk it's a new podcast by one of our patrons chris awesome so he's running a game at game hole con and instead of coming to us to say hey i'll record something they did it on their show very nice. So we talked about that. I asked Chris, I'm like, should we put the audio snippet? Should we just take your audio snippet? And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. So we can put a link to that episode uh, in his podcast that you want to listen. Uh, take a listen, subscribe, see what they have to say. I believe it's him and uh, another gentleman and another uh, woman that's doing it. I, I haven't listened to the show yet, but it's it'll be in my catcher. Um, to catch up on some of those, check it out. Cool. And then my damn cat's really driving me crazy. Augie, you cannot co-host. That's a big damn cat, dude. And he's not even our biggest one. That's Augie. Sorry. <clears throat> you see this on YouTube, you can see the cat jumping into frame. Repeatedly this episode. It's driving me crazy. Number four, Hero Forge. I thought we did this, but I I couldn't find it on our website. So it's Hero Forge custom miniatures. So you go to Hero Forge, and you could change the head, the body, 
you know, probably the attire of the miniature, and then you can order it. So if you want a custom miniature to one of your player characters, check that out. Now, I think 3D printing is just going to, it's just going to rock that miniature world, but um, check it oh, out. Oh, it will. It absolutely will. So those are the ones I have. Links in the show notes. And we had a couple from listeners. Uh, Brandon Barnes told us about this Commodore 64 that's been running a business in Poland for 25 years. Now, his post, <laughs> yeah, Commodore. Um, his post, Brandon talked about the fact that, you know, these post-apocalyptic settings and stuff, we've got this ancient technology doing a thing. And it reminded me a lot of, I guess, actually harkening back to my Roman coins in the Japanese castle. It's this anachronistic piece of gear that's holding something up. And in a modern game, a spy game, you have something like that. Even if it's, you know, you play Knights Black Agents, your hacker goes in there, they've got to do a thing like, are you kidding me? OS2 Warp has this entire building. They're using OS2 Warp. Are you fucking kidding me? That is a, it's a fun bit of flair and coolness that you could throw into something um, and having some ancient technologies or something that just happens to be working. And I have done something similar to this before in a game. It stymied the shit out of my team. My players were like, what the fuck? Oh my God. I can't seem to figure this out. I don't know what this is and blah, blah, blah. And then they come to find out it's just some old technology. This, you know, overthought the entire process. So it's cool stuff. And um, brought to you again by the pure mongrel. We had a little, um, apart from him telling me how incredibly wrong I am. Uh, he was kind enough to point us to a link around um, some unpainted minis for D&D and Pathfinder that WizKids are looking to put out. So that's kind of cool. I know that a lot of, well, my friends who are huge mini painters, they love doing that. And I like actually buying pre-painted minis sometimes, especially bad guys, just getting big fistful of them whenever I can. But uh, that's kind of cool. That's a neat thing. Yeah, WizKids had done the Pathfinder miniature lineup. Correct. But they were painted. Still pretty cool. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It was very cool. Right. Thanks for the extra die rolls. Thanks for being a part of the community, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yes. Uh, this episode of Gaming NBS sponsored by GameholeCon.com. Go there. Uh, event registration is going to be closing, I believe, October 12th. 13th. 13th. Oh, wait. Events. Events is the 13th. The events. Anyway. Yes. Events is the 12th and pre-reg to get your badge the 13th, I believe. Is that what it is? It could be. Go to GameholeCon.com to get what we're talking about and make sure we're not BSing you. Absolutely. Uh, but we thank them for sponsoring the show. And it's going to be just fun. It's a game con here in Madison, first weekend of November, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. Going to be a blast. Got True Dungeon. True Dungeon's going to be there, and they got an extra dungeon or a an add-on that they haven't had before. And it's premiering a gamehole con, and True Dungeon has not been anywhere other than Gen Con. So to, that's for them, true for them to be a gamehole con. That's kind of a big deal. It's a big damn deal. Anyways, what are we talking about next week, Brett? Next week, I'm going to take on episode um, 109 here. We're going to take uh, Sergeant Pemberfoot's topic. He asked us about D&D classes and kind of class-specific groups and organizations. I kind of want to talk. This will lead me to a bit of an Avalon rant in so far as we're going to talk about kind of how guilds and different things and how you can use them and, and all that stuff in your game. So that's that's what I'm thinking about talking about. You know, and I, this episode was brought to you, you know, we had <clears throat> Pemberfoot's coming up next. We got his, Jim Fitzpatrick's talked about this one. We get great feedback from other listeners and topics. If you guys have something that you'd like to hear about, 
Um, even if you like, hey, look, here's a position I have. Could you, you know, or you have a question and we could take a shot at it. And a lot of times, even if we're dead wrong, somebody else is going to listen to us and say, hey, I got a better idea. Or, hey, here's some more information. And again, to uh, stroke the listener ego, you guys are awesome. Uh, you men and women have always given us some great feedback and some really good insights. So uh, keep it coming. I'd uh, love to hear from you. All right. Well, that wraps it up. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. Gaming MBS, produced with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Steve Day, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest DeGary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Old School DM, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Merkel Froelich, Wayne Lumrunner Humphrey, James Carpio, Nod Caprio, Tony Baker, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, and Eileen Barnes. Consider becoming a patron. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Whoa.